Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Real people. Real crimes. Real life drama. This was a a very shocking case. For someone to come into somebody's house stab two people and kill someone. We want to get the bad guy. Who is this? Sammy Geller. The Geller case is one that's kind of haunted us for 20 years now. The biggest problem I think we have is really trying to figure out why it happened. This cold case could be solved tonight. So listen carefully. Detectives need more evidence, and it could come from you. Maybe you know some of the suspects, or maybe you'll just notice a vital clue to this brutal murder that investigators somehow missed. It was spring break. The town was full of people. The weather was awesome. Well, on March 20, 1994, Amy Geller and her parents um, attended a church service in Merritt Island. I see Amy at church. And she says, I'll be home soon. We go home and we're early. The parents returned home. Unknown to them, there was an intruder in the residence. I see the man step into the room and he's completely disguised. And then I saw that he had a dagger and a gun. Basically, we had to crawl through here on our hands and knees. And he took us to this area right here. He was pacing. He was, he was, pa- he was going out this pacing. door here. They had offered money. They had offered cars. Uh, they made all these offerings just to kind of get rid of him. Why remain there? Why keep looking out? I sensed, and Bob sensed, that he was waiting for a ride. And I saw 
the lights coming down the driveway. He panicked. Something switched in him, and he just lost it. First, he slices me across here. He stabbed me in, uh, here, and he starts stabbing me in my neck. And it's going in so deep, I can feel the bones crunching. That sound of my bones. To this day, 20 years later, I can hear those bones crunch. Do you think he thought he had killed you? Mm-hmm. As soon as the lights hit, man, he came down with a knife in the back of my head as hard as he could. If I don't get to the front door and start screaming, no one's going to get out of that house alive. 9 emergency. My name is Bob Layton. What's the problem, sir? Since an ambulance, we've been stabbed multiple times by one. You're bleeding very badly? I'm bleeding badly. And what happened to the intruder? He fled on foot. At that moment, Bob, you think the only two people are hurt are you exactly. and Bunny? The uh, suspect came across Amy, who was standing in the driveway behind her car. And of course, without warning, she was stabbed. I remember getting to the hospital, a pastor that I knew coming in and saying to me, Amy didn't make it. No, no, it, this can't be happening. Any case that's open, we want to close. It's the only closure you get for the family. I'm Erin Moriarty. Tonight on 48 Hours, Cold Case. Who killed Amy Gellert? If you're a fan of 48 Hours or true crime, looking to try on a case of your own, June's Journey is for you. A thrilling hidden object mystery game set against the backdrop of the 1920s, you play as June Parker, an amateur detective trying to unravel your sister's mysterious murder. As you dive into a world filled with twists and turns, trust no one. Every character could be hiding secrets. While you piece together the intricately woven plot, you'll collect crucial information in your photo album, turning suspicions into facts. And if you want help on the case, you can even join a detective club to collaborate or compete with fellow sleuths on hundreds of puzzles. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. 48 Hours listeners know to always expect the unexpected, including when home appliances break down. An American Home Shield warranty can restore your sense of security. It's simple. When a covered item in your home breaks, contact American Home Shield and their trusted and qualified pros will fix or replace it. Right now, you could take 20% off. Go to ahs.com slash 48 to save 20%. That's ahs.com slash 48 for 20% off any plan. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. American Home Shield, don't worry, be warranty. There's no day more difficult for Bonnie Layton 
than March 20th. Just a bad day all the way around. The anniversary of her daughter's murder. I always think about tomorrow. Life will be better. Bunny hasn't let fear force her out of her home, but continues to grieve along with her husband, Bob, and her two sons, Amy's older brothers, Mark and Ryan. It just doesn't end, man. It, it keeps on going. It's been tough, and I think it's just changed us all profoundly as a family and individually. It's hard to think about it, isn't it? That's it. When you first started on this case, did you think it would be solved right away? We always think that. Back in 1994, Todd Goodyear was one of the investigators called to the crime scene. You've got a well-respected family that is living in a, in a nice house in a quiet area. And all of a sudden, somebody breaks in, and then something sets them off and starts to stab them, and it's a blitz attack. Goodyear says when Amy's stepfather ran out to get help, his attacker followed. Bob didn't see Amy standing by her car, but the intruder did. He turns his attention to Amy and goes to attack her. The slash marks on her backpack indicate a struggle with her killer. Amy actually runs across the street toward a, an apartment complex, and she actually collapses in that parking lot and dies. Fire rescue. Yes, uh, could I have an ambulance? Please, What's the problem? Someone's been stabbed. Probably the prevailing view when we first got it is we're going to figure out real quickly what the motive is, and it's going to lead us to a person, and we're going to find that person, and they're going to confess, and we're going to be done. But more than 20 years later, Major Goodyear was still trying to solve Amy Gellert's murder. There was a lot of pressure put on to solve it, and a lot of people were, were upset about it, and, and still are to this day. We asked Goodyear and his cold case team, Lieutenant Carlos Reyes, and detectives Marlon Bugs and Wayne Simak, to explain one of the most baffling cases they've ever encountered. I've never worked a case like this, with this many possibilities that have been out there. This is what investigators do know. The weapons. The intruder was armed with an unusual gun and a knife. He's not cursing and he's not screaming at us. And then all of a sudden, he's just stabbing the living daylights out of me. The Leightons say the knife was a dagger resembling this police sketch. Because the intruder was holding it, all they could see was the ornate hilt. And that was very unusual because it was a gold chain that was basically, you know, interwound or twisted together. The dagger has never been found. And have you ever been able to find one that seemed to match? Not with the hilt. Not with the hilt like that, no. Yeah, we always have to put out the thing. The knife may not look exactly like that, but if someone knows of somebody that has one like that, that would be really important. As for the gun, it turned out not to be a lethal weapon at all. Investigators were able to identify it when a magazine was found at the scene. It's actually a prop 
made by Brixia. It fires blanks and is used in the theater and movies. It sure looks real. If you had that put in your face, you'd believe it was a gun. But isn't that a good clue? You would think it would be. Everybody goes, oh, Cocoa Beach Theater. Boom, here we go. Well, this is going to be soft. And then you go there, oh, no, we're not missing one. No reports of anyone stealing the gun like that. So, yeah, that ended up being pretty much, you know, for us, a dead end at the time, which was very deflating. The Intruder. He had a black ski mask on. Bob and Bunny were interviewed by investigators 12 days after being attacked. He had on a black top, black pants, white tennis shoes, and those gloves that have the leather on the... A black ski mask and gloves, items that would not be easy to obtain in Cocoa Beach, Florida during spring break. If you're going to kill them, you don't need the mask because they're not going to be able to identify you anyway. So is it someone they knew or is it somebody from the area that somebody might recognize if they saw them? The intruder's characteristics. The Leightons couldn't identify their assailant, but they could remember a few features. Who's Caucasian? I think I picked that up on the contrast between the ski mask and his eyes. He was in his 20s, which would put him in his 40s now. Did the voice seem familiar in any way that you had ever heard it before? But Bunny says what she was struck by was his accent. I was very familiar with, you know, Maryland, Pennsylvania kind of area because that's what he sounded like to me. Another clue. I'm told to lay over him like this. The intruder forced Bunny and Bob to lay on the ground in this position. When he put me on my stomach, I could not move. I was stuck. Investigators say it's a technique used to control captives and suggests the intruder may have had some kind of military training. Or police background. Police background, could have gone to an academy, could have been a security guard. As for forensic evidence, DNA was found on the guns magazine, but it may not be from the intruder. Part of the problem you have is that we know the intruder was wearing gloves. Correct. So if there's DNA, it could belong to whoever handed him. Could be. That item. Could be, or someone that had owned the item beforehand, or someone that had, had used it with them. But the biggest question looming for investigators is why? Does anybody know at this table why that intruder came into the home on March 20th, 1994? Think specific motive? No. And without answering that question, it makes it really tough to, to get to the right person. They all agree the evidence points to a targeted attack. Could it be money? How many of you believe that the purpose of this was a burglary? Oh, you're not sure? No. While the house is near the beach and one of the nicest on the block, investigators say that a burglar would have just stolen property and fled and this intruder stayed. Stranger still, the Leighton say, money seemed almost an afterthought to him. He took just a small amount of cash and some credit cards and seemed even less interested in valuables. My wife had over $5,000 with jewelry on right in front of me. Then investigators wondered if Bunny and Bob, both therapists, had been targeted by an angry patient. But there was little evidence to support that. If you're gonna hurt the couple that's there, 
why wait? Why not take care of business ahead of time and then leave there? Why does he wait until Amy shows up? And that leaves Amy. Do you think then Amy was a target or the reason why that intruder was in the house? Today I do. This case is ongoing. It keeps yeah. developing. So ask me again in six months, I might have a different answer. A sense of safety is important to everyone, and that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. It's an advanced security system that protects your entire home so you can rest easy. Simply Safe is completely customizable with advanced sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. You can have 24/7 professional home monitoring for less than $1 a day. So try Simply Safe for 60 days risk-free. If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. I have a hard time thinking this is a random act. The consensus tends to be that, that Amy's the catalyst. There's something there with Amy that probably caused this to happen. What was it about Amy that would make her the target? At the time of her murder, she had just turned 21. And what were you thinking on that birthday? She's happy. We're happy. This is good. Her whole life seemed ahead of her. Amy was living at home with her mother and stepfather. Passionate about music, she got a job at the church her parents attended, working as a sound engineer in Calvary Chapel's recording studio. She had always wanted to be a roadie for a rock and roll band. <laughs> God's sense of humor, she ended up being a roadie for the Calvary Chapel's rock and roll Christian praise band. Did you think all the problems were over? All yeah, behind I did. You? I did. Amy had been through a lot in her 21 years. She was three when her parents divorced. Amy and her two older brothers live with their mother in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And how close were Mark, Ryan, and Amy? They were thick as thieves. There wasn't anything they didn't share, and they stayed that way, always. She was just an incredibly good person. Amy's brother Ryan says whatever he and Mark did, she wanted to do. Even skydiving. Gutsy? Yeah. Feisty? Could be. She had a lot of life in her. She's kind of the perfect friend, perfect sister. 
Amy was five when her mom married Bob Layton. And then, not long after, her life changed when she became seriously ill with encephalitis that left her with learning disabilities. Oh, she struggled so much, and she was held back a year. And that changed a lot of things in her life. By her freshman year in high school, she met Andrea O'Dell. They became best friends. She was the most special person I've ever met. She had an essence about her, a presence about her. Amy was also a typical teenager, rebelling against her mom. Bunny wanted kind of a girly girl, and Amy was not a girly girl. And I think Amy kind of wanted to flaunt any rebelliousness in her mother's face, and to push it, even. And like so many of her classmates... Amy was experimenting with drugs. She was smoking pot. A lot? I'd say more than was healthy. She was not a weekend warrior, somebody who just smoked some dope on the weekends. She was somebody who would sell her soul for pot, and that's how she got in trouble. Bunny put Amy in a tough, controversial rehab program known as Straight. There was no swimming pool nice lounge kind of drug rehab. She didn't go to rehab by choice. She blame your mother? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In 1992, Amy returned home, seemingly a new person. Had she changed any? She still seemed like Amy, but she had a better head on her shoulders, definitely. It refocused her and had her start thinking about what she wanted to do thereafter. She had a new group of friends from church. I think they were really good influences on her, and I think she actually really enjoyed them. In the days leading up to Amy's murder, in March of 1994, spring break crowds were descending up and down the Florida coast. Ryan was also home from college. Overall, what I remember from that week is her being in a pretty good state of mind and just seemingly doing as well as I'd seen her do in a really long time. Sometime after 7.30 on the night of the murder... Amy headed to church, where she saw her parents for the last time. There was no premonition that anything was wrong. Nothing like that. I get a phone call, said that my sister had been murdered. That my parents were in the hospital. I didn't look too good. What was your first thought, Ryan? My first thought was I just couldn't believe it. It just didn't make sense. And 20 years later, with the investigators' renewed focus on the case, the family hopes to finally have some answers. I think it's solvable. I just think that it's going to take the, the right piece of evidence and the right person to be willing to talk about it. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. 
Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. I mean, when this happened in Cocoa Beach, people were numb. They couldn't believe it. I remember there was a lot of press from it. It was on the news. County also called in FDLE and the FBI. When 21-year-old Amy Gellert was brutally murdered in March of 1994, Marlon Bugs was the same age and a cadet at the police academy. So to hear about someone being stabbed to death in this big murder scene, and that was a big deal. It never occurred to him that more than 20 years later, he'd be asked to use fresh eyes to finally solve the case that has stymied so many of his colleagues. I read through this case on a daily basis. Major, you got a minute? I run it by my partners. It's a discussion at lunch that we have. We just wanted to get a brand new perspective on it. This case, there's so many questions. And over the years, so many suspects. There's a lot. Most cases, you may have one primary suspect, maybe a couple peripheral suspects, but in this one, there's many possibilities. Like Jeffrey Anderson, a burglar currently in prison. He was involved in a police chase the day after Amy was murdered. When he was caught, he was in a stolen car. And later, when Bunny Layton's credit cards were found on the side of the road in the vicinity, he became a suspect. Passed a polygraph, wasn't picked out in the voice lineup. Can't totally say 100%, but you feel more, more likely than not he wouldn't be the guy. And police couldn't link him to those credit cards. And there was Hugh Popple. At one time, he had a romantic relationship with Amy. He didn't become a suspect until 2013, almost 19 years after the crime, when a tip came in to Crimeline. Hugh Popple had been killed in a hit-and-run accident. There was a comment made that it was karma for what he had done to Amy Gellert. While there's no physical evidence connecting him to Amy's murder, Popple remains on the list of suspects. And there are others much higher on Marlon Bugs' list that he and Wayne Simok want to track down and re-interview. That's Dominic His name keeps popping up. Around the time of Amy's death, Dominic Kanuka was a 22-year-old short order cook from Pennsylvania who had recently moved to Cocoa Beach with his high school girlfriend, Julie Flounders. But investigators didn't learn about Kanuka until more than a year later, 
when they got a tip from someone who worked with Julie. She overheard Dominic's girlfriend saying that he was possibly involved with that homicide. Investigators then learned Kanuka had stolen a car and left the area the day after Amy's murder. He later moved back to Pennsylvania, where investigators tracked him down, and he told them a startling story. Dominic puts himself at the scene. Kanuka claimed that he was coming home from work when he drove past Amy's house. He sees all the lights and the cop cars and the fire trucks, and he actually stops, pulls over, and walks up to see what's going on. He was just being a concerned citizen, just happened to be driving by there, stops and assists the deputy in putting up the crime scene tape, which is, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying it's unheard of. And his story didn't check out when investigators went to the restaurant where Kanuka worked. They pulled his time card from Gatsby's and he didn't work that night. Suddenly, they had another person on their list. That kind of put him as a very important person of interest at that time. And Kanuka kept looking better and better. He had just moved down here from Pennsylvania, only been in the area for maybe a couple months at the most. So Kanuka would be one of the few people in Cocoa Beach who could have cold weather gear, like masks and gloves. And so I believe he had those items with him. And coming from Pennsylvania, he had that mid-Atlantic accent that Amy's mom described hearing. I was very familiar with, you know, Maryland, Pennsylvania kind of area because that's what he sounded like to me. For reasons that aren't clear, a voice lineup was never done, but he was given a polygraph, and Kanuka failed it. Still, investigators couldn't connect Kanuka either to Amy or her murder. They couldn't find any mutual friends, and there wasn't any physical evidence that put him inside the house. And so the trail went cold until 2014. It's game time. This was the uh, driver's license that he had most currently after the incident. Now the new team, Marlon Bugs and Wayne Simok, are retracing steps made by earlier investigators and have gone to Pennsylvania hoping to question Dominic Kanuka. It's hard to get your hopes up, right, that you might have the right suspect, because there have been other suspects in the past that looked really oh, good yeah. in this case. They haven't. This right now is probably the strongest one. But before they take their chances with Kanuka, they decide to make a surprise stop at the home of that old girlfriend who allegedly had been overheard talking about Kanuka's involvement in Amy's murder, Julie Flounders. I'm hoping she's been waiting to get this off her chest, and when we show up at the door, that's her opportunity. Originally, she denied saying it, but Marlon hopes that Julie, now married with children, may have additional information that will help. So we want to take a shot at her. And much to their surprise, she invites them in and is more than willing to talk about Kanuka. How did Julie describe him? Didn't she describe him as crazy? She said he could go both. He I mean, could go both ways. Nice guy, not nice guy. But that fits. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. does that fit, fits with this us. intruder. He's also a convicted thief. And when you talk about the thievery part of it, would Dominic steal from somebody or break into a home? Well, on that case, yeah. She also did say that he, he had a propensity to have knives. And there's his military training. Now, Dominic Kanuka was in the Marine Corps boot camp just previous to this, and 
you know, one of the things he learned how to do was fight with a knife. But unfortunately, after two decades, Julie's memories about that specific March night have faded. The key information I needed from her, she couldn't remember. When first questioned, Kanuka told investigators he was driving Julie's Jeep on the night of the murder. She can't remember if he had the Jeep or not. And said he told Julie about being at the crime scene. Did she remember him saying that he had been at this scene of a horrific murder? Uh, she couldn't that, that she doesn't remember. She doesn't remember, she doesn't remember that. And what about her comment that her boyfriend may have been involved in Amy Gellert's murder? For years, Julie denied saying it. But she told these investigators that she might have said it in jest, but still denies Kanuka ever confessed to murder. We also wanted to talk with Julie Flounders. And she agreed to sit down and tell us what she knew about Kanuka back in Cocoa Beach in 1994. But in the end, all we got was an empty chair. Julie Flounder says she's too afraid of him. Next stop is 280 miles away in Marionville, Pennsylvania, where Dominic Kanuka is serving time for drug possession and robbery. At the moment, we still don't know. You know, how's he going to receive us? What's he going to say? And we just got some high hopes right now that, uh, that he's going to talk to us. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. You don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want him to shut down. So, uh, yeah, I got some butterflies. There's a lot riding on this trip to Marionville, Pennsylvania. Wayne Simog and Marlon Bugs need to convince Dominic Kanuka to talk about Amy Gellert's murder. Might be our last shot at having an opportunity to talk to him. As it turns out, Kanuka agrees to talk, but he has nothing new to say. He had this strange confidence about it. He still puts himself at the scene, but he continually claims that he has no involvement. He says, how could I do that? He says, I'm just an addict. Kanuka is now in prison for robbing a pharmacy. As long as we let him just ramble on about what he wanted to tell us, he was real comfortable. When we started asking questions about the case, he got real defensive. After three hours, the investigators head home to Florida 
disappointed. You know, it'd be great to come up here and try to clear this up, but right now I think we're leaving with more questions than answers. But they're not through with Kanuka yet. They wonder if he may be somehow connected to the man who has topped their suspect list for more than 20 years. Who is the number one suspect? In my mind here. That's Scott Manley. Back in 1994. Back in 1994. Scott Manley, a friend of Amy's, became a suspect within hours of her murder. When you start looking for that motive, you know, you start thinking, who had access to her home? Scott Manley. On the evening of March 20th, Manley stopped by Amy's house. Scott Manley was probably the last one of her friends to be in her home. Manley told police he had plans to go out with Amy later that night, after she got home from church, but he never made it. He left this message on Amy's answering machine. just 30 minutes after she'd been stabbed to death. We all like to say there's no coincidence in the homicide investigation. It's, you know, it's kind of strange. All of a sudden, just after she's killed, there's a phone message from him saying, hey, uh, it's too late to go out. There's a lot of things that make him very interesting. By all accounts, Scott Manley was a handsome bad boy. People describe him even back then as a con artist. And a serious cocaine addict. Amy met him in rehab. Two and a half years older, he was also from Cocoa Beach. And when they both left the straight program, they tried to stay clean. I don't think he was successful. He was still a drug addict. There were more attempts at rehab in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. When he returned home in the fall of 1993, Manley started using crack cocaine again. He also reconnected with Amy, which greatly concerned her brother Ryan. I knew Scott wasn't a great influence for her. That wasn't a relationship I was very happy about. Was she completely clean when she returned back no. to No, mm-mm. She was smoking pot again. I knew that she had some people from straight that she was getting it from. As investigators discovered, Amy felt caught between two worlds, her new friends at church and the wilder crowd she once hung out with in Cocoa Beach. I think she was trying to make good for herself. It's almost like the angel and and the devil on each side, you know, one side pulling her one way and one side pulling her the other way. Just days before she was killed, Amy asked her brother Ryan to drive with her to the apartment complex where Manley lived with his parents. She needed to get something from him. The whole thing just didn't make me feel very comfortable. Why is she hanging out with this guy? Why is she asking me to go over there and do this? What, what's going on here? This just doesn't feel right. Marlon Bugs wonders if Amy brought her brother because she was afraid of Manly. She has friends that say that Scott actually owed her money because they put their money together to purchase drugs. And even Scott Manley himself talks about owing Amy money. The morning after Amy was killed, Manley showed up at the Cocoa Beach police station to explain why he left that phone message canceling his date with Amy. At the time, it really was no reason to suspect anything. But the more Manley talked, the more lies investigators uncovered. He told them the reason he stopped by Amy's house was to pay her back $30. His father not only drove him there, he gave Manley the cash. But it wasn't the whole story. 
Later on, he admits that he pocketed the money, that he didn't give the money to Amy, um, that it was a ploy. A scam to get money from his father to buy drugs. Manley says he then spent the evening alone, driving around smoking crack cocaine. And then there was Manley's claim that he and Amy were going out that night. But Amy's best friend, Andre O'Dell, disputes that. We had plans the night she died. We had plans to go for a walk on the beach. Does it make sense that she would have said something to Scott that she'd also meet him later? No. He continually lies. Everything's a lie. Still, Manley claimed to have an alibi. He said he was home before 9 p.m. and his parents backed him. What's more, none of Amy or her parents' blood was found in Manley's car. If that had been Scott and he stabbed somebody, wouldn't there had to be blood in that car? You would think so. You would think so. And these photos of his hands show no signs of a struggle. You say you can't get Scott Manley out of your head. Why has he never been arrested? There's no hardcore evidence that we can just link to Scott Manley. So that makes it difficult. Manley couldn't stay out of trouble. In 1995, after another failed rehab in Colorado, Manley was accused of kidnapping his girlfriend's young child, all to get money for drugs. Brevard County detectives traveled there in 1996 to question him about Amy Gellert's murder. It, it hurts me to think that I, I'm even, you know, I'm even considered to know something, you know? And he agreed to take this polygraph. Regarding the death of Amy Gellert, do you know for sure who's dead or no? Did you participate in planning a burglary at Amy Gellert's house that eventually led to her death? No. And he doesn't do so well on it. But then again, he keeps changing the story. In fact, Manley failed the polygraph. By 2005, he was in trouble again. This time in Florida for robbery. He remains on the top of the list of possible killers of Amy Gellert. There is something that I feel that he's connected with this somehow, whether he told somebody the layout of the house or the fact that Amy's parents weren't home, um, the fact that she comes from money. Now these investigators are wondering if perhaps Manley had an accomplice. Which brings them back to Dominic Kanuka. On the night Amy was killed, Manley said he was driving around looking to buy crack cocaine from a white guy with a northern accent named Nick. Could Nick be Dominic? Could you find any connection between Scott Manley and Dominic Kanuka? Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. In the more than 20 years that investigators have struggled to find Amy's killer, two names keep coming up. I keep coming back to Scott Manley and Dominic Kanuka. One theory is that both men were involved. Did Amy have something they wanted? Money or drugs? You know, what if Scott came across Dominic at some point and talked Dominic into doing this? They're both having this addiction to drugs. They're both needing money. Remember, Dominic Kanuka places himself at the scene, and investigators have wondered if the plan was for Kanuka to break into the house while Scott Manley drove the getaway car. Did Dominic get dropped off by Scott Manley and then Scott was going to circle around and pick him back up? When Bunny and Bob came home from church early, the plan may have fallen apart. Could Manley have abandoned Kanuka, leaving him in the lurch? That would fit with the Layton's description of the masked intruder. He seemed nervous. He was just pacing the room. He acted like he was waiting for a ride, that the person had left him high and dry, and he was waiting for that person to come back. Each man denies knowing the other, but investigators uncovered a possible link. Gatsby's restaurant, where Dominic worked as a cook, and where Scott, according to his dad, had a job interview. They eventually tracked down a waitress there who identified Manley's photo. She picked Scott Manley out as being someone she thought came in looking for Dominic at one point. That's the closest connection you can Mm -hmm. make between these two men. As of right now. Yes. And then there's Scott Manley's own admission to police that the night of the murder, he was looking for a drug dealer named Nick. But Kanuka's former girlfriend, Julie, says that Dominic went by the nickname Dom, not Nick. We reached out to Scott Manley and he agreed to an interview. But as we were heading to the prison where he was being held on that robbery charge, he suddenly backed out. Still, we have letters Scott Manley wrote, one in which he says, Please, please, find whoever's responsible for Amy's death. But it's what he didn't say in these letters that caught investigators' attention. He never really denies involvement. We asked Major Todd Goodyear to look at Manley's letters with an analysis technique used by law enforcement. You you can't file charges on Scott Manley based on anything in these letters. How does it help? What's an investigative tool? Manley writes, The fact that anyone thought it possible that I could be part of such a horrible crime nauseated me. Most people would say, I find it reprehensible. I find it unbelievable that anyone thinks that I could kill her. Yes. Because I didn't. That would be a very strong statement that says, I didn't do it. And instead? This is not an I didn't do it. This is a, I can't believe anybody thinks I could be part of this. Goodyear is also intrigued by this line, that Manley and Amy planned to go out when she returned home from church. 
to me, kind of signifies we're going to go out on some type of a social or semi-date. And then later on in the letter, he talks about he was supposed to go there for a meeting. Had I not canceled our meeting, could I have helped or saved Amy? That word meeting means something to you because it could lead to motive. Could, because a meeting is business. That's why Goodyear wonders if that meeting involved drugs. I've always thought that he was involved. But suspicion isn't enough. DNA found on the Guns magazine doesn't match Scott Manley, Dominic Kanuka, or any other known suspect. It's, it's still a track. It's not one of our suspects, but it's somebody that's linked to them. It's still a good thing. Is Dominic Kanuka still a suspect? I would say, yeah, he's still a suspect because we can't clear him out. And Scott Manley is still a suspect? Mm -hmm. We can't connect him definitively to it, and then again, we can't clear him. Investigators concede that Amy's killer could be someone who's not even on their radar. But there's no statute of limitations for murder. So they hope scientific technology or some new tip will be key to solving this case. In cases like this, anything can be important. We know this case is solvable. I think that people are holding on to information. They don't think it's significant, but it is. It means everything to us. Amy means everything to us. I'm not into vengeance, I'm into justice. I want justice to be served. If you have information about Amy Gellert's murder, please contact the Brevard County Homicide Unit, majorcrimes at bcso.us, or call the Central Florida Crime Line, 1-800-423-TIPS. Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. 
Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.